Hello and welcome to the When Wrestlers Act podcast. I'm John Cronshaw. With the best of, celebrate our first anniversary as a podcast. Remember, if you like When Wrestlers Act, you can follow us on Twitter at WWA Podcast. Over the past year, we've reviewed a lot of bad TV shows and movies starring pro wrestlers. And I just want to take a moment to pay a little tribute to one of the best wrestlers who acted, Roddy Roddy Piper, who died recently. So this best of is in memory of him. We've we've just watched quite an interesting film. Well, let's let's just say the the straight to bargain bin. Uh, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a good way of putting classic it. Classic body slam from 1986. What was the name of the director of this? Um, it was I know it was the guy who did Cannonball Run. Yes, I um, I didn't catch his name. <laughs> Cannonball Run Two. <laughs> Um, what was it? The the Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit Two. Smokey and the Bandit Three. No, I did the research. He mm. he did a lot of Smokey and the Bandit spin-off TV movies <laughs> as well. So, so you know, he he has form. Yeah. So I mean, basically, with with his track record of of high quality films <laughs> and the assurance that this is going to be a genuinely funny film, <laughs> alarm bells. So, the gentleman's name is Hal Needham. So, Dirt Benedict. To be honest, he he is the only character in this film that that develops, that has a range of outfits. Everybody else seems to wear one set of clothes throughout. That jacket. (laughs) (laughs) The the blue space-age material. Space-age material. um, It was a Rhapsody in polyester. (laughs) With that pink tie as well. Yeah, pink tie, blue shirt. It was it was disturbing, but it was strangely arousing. I mean, it... <laughs> You're basically criticising me when this guy wrote Cannonball Run <laughs> 1, Cannonball Run 2, Smokey and the Bandit 1, Smokey and the Bandit 2. And the various spin-offs. Plus a load of TV, straight-to-TV spin-offs, including one that was called Bandit, colon, Bandit, Bandit. <laughs> Why haven't we watched those? Because <laughs> there's no wrestlers in them. Why would we? So today we're going to be reviewing what I can only describe as Series 4, Episode 7 of The A-Team, an yeah. episode entitled Body Slam. That description is apt and accurate <laughs> in equal measure. Who should be in the front row? <laughs> yeah, the A-team. The A-team are there. Very Wanted men on the run for ten years for a crime they did not commit. Hiding out on the front row. We cottoned onto that one quick. Yeah. Plot hole alert. <laughs> Hulk Hogan is backstage. He's, he sees B.A. Brackus and the rest of the A-team. B.A. Brackus introduces them and shakes hands. And it ends up that Hulk Hogan and B.A. Brackus served together in Vietnam. While also, we all know from past episodes, B.A. served in Vietnam with, with the rest, with of, the the rest of the A-team. <laughs> but they didn't serve with Hulk Hogan. He's yeah. never met them before. Yeah. So, OK, there might be a slight hole there. Might be. So, so Hogan sat in the back of the, uh, the A-team van, and this is what he says. This is, this, is a, this is a line that was scripted for the episode. This is what somebody wrote and thought... This would be a good line for a real human to say. Hulk Hogan, in reference to his uh, his gym on Venice Beach, his, uh, his his kids' club, he says, 
I've got a problem. A big problem. Bigger than the Hulkster. <laughs> now, it sounds like I'm, I'm reading it really badly there, but you can confirm with me that that is how he read those lines. That is definitely right, John. <laughs> John could do a better rendition if he was a bit more pumped right now. Yeah, unfortunately I haven't spent the uh, 1980s... Uh, on steroids and admitting that in front of a court of law, but you know that's why that's why I'm not the Hulkster. We're here to talk about what I can only describe as series six, episode fifteen of Baywatch: Bash at the Beach. We've got Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage on a jet ski, making all sorts of motley slash Popeye mumbling. Yeah, Hulk, oh, Hulk Hogan is, is completely indecipherable. <laughs> I thought when it opened up that they were feuding, yes. that they were trying to bash each other off the jet skis into the water. Hogan's attention, he's distracted by another another jet ski being driven by a sexy lady in a bikini. Maybe he's just thinking, a lady driving a jet ski? <laughs> That's where I come from. <laughs> so... <laughs> Luckily, at this moment, the lovely, sexy Yasmin Bleeth is looking with her big binoculars over the water. She spots Hulk Hogan just at that moment, and then she grabs she grabs her big inflatable thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she does. She grabs the life float, runs out to the water. She's joined by Pamela Anderson. She runs into the water as well with her big inflatable things. <laughs> Yes, it was a boob joke. <laughs> so he looks up, and then these sexy, sexy ladies in the red swimsuits with the big fake plastic boobs go, Oh, are you a wrestling fan? I'm a closets wrestling fan. Yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> so sexy women like WCW wrestling. Lie. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This... We've, we've been to various wrestling events, and I think the only way I can describe a live wrestling event is Sausage Fest. I used to watch this when I was like 11, 12, and I was thinking when I was watching it... When something was stirring inside. Yeah, I was just thinking like when I was watching it, what on, why on earth was I watching this? This is just absolute crap. And then Pamela Anderson and comes along. <laughs> Pamela Anderson folded her arms in a big fake boobs. <laughs> it looked like she had right said Fred between her arms. And I thought, ah, there we go, yes. there we go. That explains everything. But I've just watched my first episode of Baywatch, and it's occurred to me I was watching this episode of Baywatch, not for the totty, but to see the oiled-up men. We're going to be talking about an interesting film today. We are. We <laughs> it's are. Um, Hell Comes to Frog Town, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper is possibly the most virile man in the entire world. Literally, yeah. On the face of the earth, there is no one better. The government get him to sign his contract that basically makes his penis their property. And to make sure that it's their property, they put his penis within a penis prison, which is locked around his penis. And he can get to his penis via a flap. He's a, he's a government-endorsed sex slave. and With a chastity belt. All they want him to do is go around and impregnate as many women as possible. <laughs> so the, <laughs> For the good of... For the, for the good, good of, of the world. Um, and so they're going to be all these little little Roddy Pipers running around in nine months' time. This device, what did you make of this device, this uh, penis prison? 
uh, where where do you begin? Um, it was one of the few techn, I suppose, um, electronic devices in the entire film. It's a film devoid of computers or, yeah. or anything like. There was very little technology. But they they invented that beyond the um, apocalypse. They thought, right? Yes, this is the, the world's now. the world's fucked. What do we need? Well, we better get these penis prisons sorted out. <laughs> Fingers crossed, one day maybe somebody can fill it, and my God, can Roddy fill a penis prison? Well, someone needs to be blamed. I mean, in the same way a good film, you need to acknowledge why it's a good film. Yeah. This is somebody's fault, ultimately. <laughs> it's not Roddy's. Oh, you really didn't have much to work with. You could put Jamie Oliver in the kitchen for a pot noodle. You're not going to get much more than a pot noodle. Maybe some comedy falling over. He did his best. He did. It was um, low budget, high ambition. I think they bit do, off more than they could do chew. You think, do, they, do you think they had some quite kind of lofty ideas about, you know, what, what would happen in a yes. world? How do you rebuild? A, what, yeah. what world do you rebuild after the apocalypse? How do you repopulate when all your men have died yeah. in war? But when it came to showing the nitty gritties of repopulation, they shied away. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they fell, fell to comedy. Yeah. And uh, I think that was its undoing. It was. And the, and the terrible costumes and dialogue didn't help either. The awful scripts, the low budget. <laughs> <laughs> We've just watched what can only describe as series two, episode eight of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. Um, an episode entitled Honey, I'm Wrestling with a Problem and the Chief. We did figure that out, yeah. Eventually. Because we remembered the Hungry Eyes Shrunk the Kids, the film with the big ant, with and, the big ant, and the shrinking, and the shrinking. There yes. was no shrinking. <laughs> what this should have been called is Honey, I invented something, <laughs> not Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. They say, "Do we dress for dinner?" And then they say, "You can wear what you want." So then um, Owen says, "Good, I hate eating naked." <laughs> Can we edit in a tumbleweed? <laughs> I think we already know that. I don't think we need to. I think we've captured it perfectly with that awkward silence. Yeah, so Joe Bate comes home and, he's, and she says to Dad, we've just, we've just met the Hart brothers. And he said, well, I went to school with the Lung sisters. <laughs> Rewind. Say that again. In fact, can I tell oh, it? No, no. So, that, oh, go on, if you must. Yeah. So that, you can't you can't beat that joke, can you? You just can't. The Hart Brothers, <laughs> the Long Sisters. Oh, <laughs> it is brilliant. What is it? He says you know you don't you don't exactly exert yourself in the ring like not, like Olympic athletes. Yeah, he says it's you know what what you do it's it's more just dance and theatre, <sighs> and this is where Brett goes dance theatre. So not Rick says oh maybe maybe you could um, give us a demonstration after dinner. And then Bret Hart stands up, Owen Hart stands up, and they both go, dinner's over. Dun, dun, dun. You think he... Oh, no! Not Rick's going to get a hiding. So, I mean, think think to, you know, past past films and stuff, you've got this moment where you've accused wrestlers of being fake. What happens, you usually go outside and get their ass handed to them. Usually get, you know, the wrestlers throwing them in a headlock and beating them up. No. I swerve that Vince Russo would be proud of (laughs) 
No, this was no, genius. This was actually great. <laughs> Tell this what was happened. wonderful. Tell well, what, happened, what happens? Everything's a bit tense. Cut to the next scene. You've got Owen Hart and Bret Hart gently demonstrating wonderful wrestling moves. <laughs> They're putting on an absolute technical clinic, yes, showing a perfect arm lock, a perfect wrist lock, a perfect hammer lock, yeah. a perfect drop Russian toe hold. Yeah. It's excellent and, and educational. And how to do the reversals. And how to do the reversals. <laughs> and it was all very polite. And, it, you know, it was just a demonstration as if it was like a, a class. <laughs> and I just thought that, that again, you know, I've said, I've said this, like, just the... Humour that was running through this, I thought, I thought was great. I think that would have gone over a lot of kids' heads, to be honest. Yeah, a good kids' TV show should be able to sit there with you, with your son or daughter, and just be able to go, not just think, "Oh my god, I wish this was on." <laughs> Please kill me. You know, you can enjoy this on on many levels. We've just watched what I can only describe as series one, episode fifteen of that seventies show. We find out that, that his girlfriend, the one who's his love slave, um, she likes. She admits to the red-headed 30-year-old woman who's <laughs> meant to be 19 or something, um, she admits that she likes wrestling because Michael does. She doesn't really. A story so many of our predominantly male listeners will relate to, I'm sure. I don't know, um, my wife doesn't pretend to like wrestling at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure your wife doesn't. Or does she? I don't know. She puts on a brave face. She doesn't like it when it's on TV or when I talk about it or when I watch wrestlers in movies. But if I said, hey, I've got some tickets to Raw, she'd be there in a flash. Yeah, no, I, th- I think, to be honest, she probably humours you more than, more than my wife does, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm sure after this review, you'll all be rushing out to uh, down, uh, watch this episode, or maybe not. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think next time we should we do this, we should try and watch something good. What um, do you reckon? Is that, a, is that a deal? I'll bring around Firepower starring the Ultimate <laughs> Warrior. <laughs> and I'm joined today by my good friend, Colin Cox. How are you doing today? John, how are you doing? I'm not bad, thank you. Good. See what you did there? You turned it around on me, that's... Uh, Interesting way to start. <laughs> so what we watched today is what I can only describe as Series 4, Episode 15 of Third Rock from the Sun. It opened up with a jazz hit. Yes, a jazz hit. <laughs> a jazz hit, which is, for those familiar with um, orchestral hits, it's kind of that, but imagine that with jazz kind of trumpets, trombones, all those kind of... And it doesn't matter what key you press, it'll always come out the same. It started off with a filthy noise, some weird graphics of things bouncing off the, the earth, and immediately we're in a gym. It's China! The you... one from um, Backdoor into China fame? Yes, yes. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Are we reviewing that at some point? Um, I don't know. Could it be classed as acting? <laughs> she might be she might be performing and she might be performing acts but I don't know whether it's described as acting um, and I, to be honest I really don't want to say that <laughs> no. to be honest at least not with you <laughs> it cuts to the credits which are bad computer graphics of space with what can I describe as kind of swing rock and roll music sort of surfer music oh, just the worst and then, again, finish with a jazz hit. 
<laughs> a horrible noise. Ah. Yeah, make a lesser man's bowels collapse <laughs> and poo where he was sat. Now this... This was great. This was this, bloody brilliant. Yeah, this, this actually turned it round for me, to be honest. This scene, I thought, was fucking brilliant. Yes. Really enjoyed it. So, Tommy and Dick, you, you see them, they're, they're in a lift. In very smart suits. Yeah, they're, they're dressed as executives, they're in suits, and they go into Eversol's building. They um, start firing people, they start... Uh, Kind of Complaining that there's too much art, it needs removing. Yeah, sell, sell, sell. There's a group of three people drinking coffee, said that there should be one cup per group. Yeah, and uh, he's, he's, he starts, um, he's walking alongside the, um, what is it, the VP of marketing or something like that, and he goes, let's walk and talk. <laughs> and he starts going, do you like your job and all this? Oh, yes, the hours are good. There's excellent childcare. <laughs> right. Right. You're working weekends. We're removing childcare and you're fired. <laughs> so, yeah, so then, then, then at this point they um, they burst into the boardroom, start complaining about how um, long and expensive the boardroom table must have been. <laughs> and then they go, oh, you know, we own this company. <laughs> and then a bloke called Mr. Eversol. Yeah, that's his name. Deal with it, Colin. It's not, it's not just a random business name. The guy, it's a family business. <laughs> The guy's called Mr. Eversol. <laughs> uh, we've just watched what I can only describe as Series 3, Episode 20 of The X-Files, an episode called Jose Chung from Outer Space. <laughs> Great title. And then he gets visited by... A man in black. Essentially, the men in black from the film and... The men in blacks, yeah. But instead of it being Will Smith and the other guy, it was Jesse Ventura and um, the... What was his name? Alex Trebek, whatever you say. Yeah, but you don't see him at that point. It's just Jesse Ventura. He's great. He is. He's really... He comes out really mysterious. He's spouting a lot of bollocks about Venus being particularly bright in the sky and everything and Mm. how... Uh, former President Jimmy Carter saw a UFO, but it turned out just to be a particularly brilliant star and mm. just things like that. He just had a really good level of oddity to him. And yeah. Jesse the Body is, has been in so many films just as himself or generic tough man, generic wrestler. But in this, it was generic tough man, but with um, a bit different, peculiar tough he, man. He was, he was odd but menacing. Yeah. So it, it deserves a watch. It does deserve a watch. And just just to clarify, the basic storyline is these two people get kidnapped by the Air Force because they've spotted a military plane. Or did they spot an alien? Was the Lava Man a real alien? Don't try and clarify it. No, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> like, who was the Lava Man, apart from Lord Kimbo? Who was he? I don't know. Yeah. So there might have been. It might be. There might have been something sinister going on. There might have been a real alien, but it was the air force who were wiping people's memories, and it was the hypnotism that kind of revealed this. So I think there must have been a real alien there, because the men in black were there to tell people there wasn't an alien. Well, if the men in black were there, that makes it true. Yeah. Okay. But then, so the men in black. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you see what I'm getting at? I think I figured it. I think the, the lava guy was an alien. Yeah. And I think the two aliens who Shall were Shall we just tell the one remaining listener out there to just go and watch it? <laughs> <laughs> We've just watched what I can only describe as um, Series 6, Episode 4 of 30 Rock, starring Mick Foley. What was the show she used to be on Saturday Night Live? I guess it's one of these rare examples where someone said, I know what would be funny, a show about my life. <laughs> but this time it's worked. It's all yeah. nicely set up for Jenna's moment and the bit we're all interested in, a wrestler acting. And, um, you know, we've, we're you know, a good five, ten minutes in at this point. By my count, we're 14 minutes and five seconds in yeah. to a 22-minute episode. <laughs> Well, when we get more than three frames of uh, WWE superstar Mankind, Mankind. Yeah. we go to Jenna's little room I don't know what you'd call it a dressing room maybe yeah and she's got some one of the lesser Kardashian sisters some kid S- Frankie bit my finger yeah, no idea what that is and I imagine that Frankie's moments of fame has been and gone don't know what that was I'd a guess was. I'd say he was on YouTube Biting someone's finger. Is that is that what it is? Yes. Right, okay. Well, we should maybe have done our research, but... No, 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 who needs? Yeah. We'll just make broad assumptions. <laughs> and this is where we get... who Who's arguably, probably, one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. He's certainly up there, along with probably Shawn Michaels. Mankind, Mick Foley... No, um, no, it's just Mankind. It is just Mankind. WWE superstar, In fact, if, if we want to be specific... It's um, Mankind from about 1999, <laughs> including, oddly enough, looking like he hadn't aged since then. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you see Mick Foley now. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's looking a bit beat up. He's, he's looking like a man who's been in a couple of explosions and thrown through a yeah. few cages. Whereas in this, it might have been the, you know, the leather mask and the, you know, the makeup. But I think it's the sheer magic of TV levels of production quality. Yeah, he, he certainly looked a bit younger. And like he did in 1999, Royal Rumble. Looked like, like he'd had his hair dyed and cut <laughs> for a change. Yeah. He pulls out a sock, puts it on his hand and goes, this is Mr. Socko. Classic mankind behaviour. We then cut back to, to Jenna's office and mankind's back. Yay! Yay! The, you know, all the other people are... Talking, the kid who had his finger bitten or whatever it is, and the Kardashian person. And he goes, quiet! I'm trying to tweet about those clowns in Congress. Brilliant line. How are you today, Colin? Hello, John. How are you today, Colin? Very well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, We've just watched what I can only describe as Friends Series 5, Episode 24. The one with the UFC fighter. So this episode opens up and you've got the friends. They're sitting around in a coffee shop called Central Central Perk, which I think is a play on words because there's Central Park in New York. And because we get lots of shots of New York and um, there's a park in in New York, isn't it, called Central Park? It's not the best named park I've ever heard. Yeah. And then you get perked up by coffee... So if you put those together... See, I always thought it was to do with percolations. You know, how coffee percolates. Oh, right. No, because it's perk with a K. Yeah, I know, but... 
I mean, yeah, maybe it does bring that in as well. That's, you know, it's a very, <laughs> very clever, subtle... subtle well, name. if it's got us debating it, it yeah. must be. Is it too soon to hate say that I fucking hated Robbie Williams? Robbing Williams and Robbie Williams. <laughs> I don't but, like Robbie Williams. I'll but Robin Williams. Is it too soon? He was... Oh, I found him so irritating. Did you not like it when he spelt really fast? No, no, I just couldn't understand a word he was saying there. That was his rhythm. That was of course, he was amazing in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, he was alright. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it was solid. What was it? He was alright in that one where he was like, my captain, my captain, jumping on the table. Oh, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> he was great in Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> and Mrs. Doubtfire 2, uh, Cruise Control. Yo, know, they're actually were going to make Mrs. Doubtfire 2 and then suddenly... Disappeared. Yeah, it's probably for the best. <laughs> no, he was he was in that one. Maybe that's what dead, dead, poets, dead poet society. Yes. There we go. Don't stop speculating about why you fucking killed himself. You like the Daily Mail? <laughs> the song for the show. This I, I, I seem to recall in the nineties. This was like a, it might have even been a number one hit for a, a band. I'm thinking we're called the Rem, Rembrandts or Rembrandts or something. The Rembrandts. My God. That song was awful. The nasal harmonies and just, oh, bloody awful. They're like, they might be giants, but crap. They might be giants to some right stuff. Yeah, hang on. Quite like, like, like that one they did about the bird birdhouse in your garden or something. Yeah, that's a that's a great track. Bird, birdhouse on your soul of your shoes. Yeah, and then there's the Markham in the Middle song. Yeah. Oh, that, that was... Yeah, no, no, actually, let's uh, let's just say they did the birdhouse song. <laughs> but um, yeah, they might be giants. They did that song, the Rembrandts. They just oh, they did that one, that one. Yeah, with the, with the claps. How are you today, Colin? Hello, Jim. <laughs> is this going to be an ongoing thing? <laughs> Why not? <sighs> right. Um, we've just watched. What I can only describe as one of the biggest piles of crap we've ever watched. Yeah, You're wrong in jokes, gone, John. That's how bad it is. It was Series 7, Episode 7 of Boy Meets World, an episode called Full Love and Apartment. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I, I feel dirty after watching that. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to beat around the bus. This, this, this was... Possibly the worst thing we've watched. I think it was absolute trash. It was trash, yeah. I think that's a good way of describing it. It was sentimental. Um, it had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. The characters were rubbish. The scripting was horrible. The storyline was unconvincing. Well, the Melfi woman was reasonably good-looking. Uh, it wasn't enough, Colin. It wasn't, was it? I was so... Oh, that that just drained me. That really drained me. <laughs> Oh. It was terrible, John. It was it was really upsetting. I I've got to apologise for this podcast, really, because it was just so so bad. I think I think yeah. the viewers should go out and watch it. I think they should be forced to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's on the YouTube. Just just watch it, and I, I may need two positives to make up for the negative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one to balance it out, and then shut up, John. <laughs> And we're never going to speak of Boy Meets World again. It was so... Like, honestly, I keep saying it. John, it was, we're never going to speak of it again. It was really bad. John, we're never going to speak of it again. All Stop right. speaking of it. Okay. Well, oh, but it was fucking awful, wasn't it? 
uh, we need to we do need to watch something good. We've just watched what I can only describe as Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Series Four, Episode Sixteen, an episode called Salem's Daughter. So it's like a Shakespearean comedy because we have the overhearing, we have the coincidences, we have the again a lot of the dramatic irony going on. So, so you know. It's uh, worthy of the bad. Mm. Mm. So, so what we're saying is, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is on the level of uh, some of the greatest work in in English literature. Billy Gunn's name in this was fantastic. Oh, it was. What was it? It was Xavier the Avenger Prescott. Prescott, I didn't catch that. Yeah, that was his name. I'm, and, I'm and... hoping that it was like. A reference to our our own Prescott, our own. What did they used to call him? Like two two, two jags. Two jags. Yeah. But then John the, Prescott. Yeah, but then there was the punching in the face thing from oh, yeah. his egging. Yeah. I hope it was inspired. And then his affair when he was two shags Prescott. So. Yeah. So easy. Again, so this was mid to late nineties. Had John Prescott been egged and punched? Um, punch the... Probably not at this... I mean, it's probably a similar time, to be honest. I think yeah. the Prescott stuff probably happened about 98. And, I mean, chances of an American teenage comedy or whatever it might be referencing an, a, a provincial... A, fo- a, fo- a provincial <laughs> egging yeah. um, in Great Britain. A, of, quite, of, a quite a fo- s- of a former deputy prime minister. Yeah. In, yeah, quite slim, but I'd like to think that it was inspired by... What's he called? Xavier, the Avenger. Prescott. Prescott. Is that even what it's called, John? Yes. I've written something here like Xavier, the Avenger. I can't, like Christoph or something. Did you miss here, Prescott? And so we've done a whole big thing about like <laughs> John Prescott. And it wasn't. I don't that. care. I don't care. It, it was, wasn't it Prescott. Was, it it was, was. Look, I put like. something. I thought just. With the humour of the show, I thought having a really kind of average... Average surname. Average surname. I think you're completely wrong there, but anyway, maybe. So, are we going to have to go back and watch this again? No, or make we you watch are it? not watching it again. <laughs> We've just watched Suburban Commando. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it wasn't that good. Got this kind of alien commando and his name... What's his name? Shep Ramsey. He's yeah. named after the Blue Peter dog. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't find that out you don't find out he's called Shep until like, further on when you see his dog bowl and the uh, little collar thing. <laughs> and someone telling him to get down. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, Charlie, he's called. A um struggling top architect. <laughs> down on his what get architect. This this made no sense. This character made no sense. This guy was essentially the um, the only talented draftsman slash architect at this big architectural <laughs> firm, and he was struggling. He was driving around in just you know a knackered old car. He was down on his luck. His wife was going, "You need to you need to get a promotion. You need to ask your boss." And he's like, "Oh well." Uh. They go, "Oh, where, where are you from? You're not from from Radio. I'm are from you? France. I'm from France." And they they just go, "Oh, ooh la la!" It's like. He's clearly not from France. 
Do you know what I mean? You Maybe let him... he's from France, Iowa, or something. Yeah, you've already... There was a bit where Hulk Hogan had the kids up in the air, and she warned him, Jenny warned him, she said, get your hands off my kids. And then he blatantly lies about where he's from. Alarm bell should have rung. Do you know what I mean? You would have gone, look, I know we said you could move into the apartment, but... <laughs> I would like... I would very much, much like you to leave, please. Yeah, you'd... you'd, you'd just be like, no, I'm sorry, I can't have you near my kids. Speaking you, as a parent, John. Speaking as a parent, I would not want Hulk Hogan coming into my house, lying about being from <laughs> France, and and it being absolutely clear that he's not from France. If he'd put on a hammy French accent, fine, no effort. If he'd gone, ooh la la. Yeah, if he'd gone, I'm uh, from France, or something, I'm from Paris. If he'd done that, fair enough. So we've just watched Season 5, Episode 7 of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And what's the name of this episode, Dean? This episode is called The Gang Wrestles for the Troops. And they sat around the laptop watching classic footage of WWE Hulk Hogan. And um, there's, there's a great description of him. They talk about him, what is it, having having uh, blonde blonde Chinese hair. The silky hair of a Chinese man and the skin of a hot dog. Yeah, which is just a perfect description. It uh, is. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many years ago was that? That must have been like in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, my God, he looked terrible then, didn't he? He looked terrible then, as, as I said. Um, I don't think we ever realised at the time how bad he looked. And at least now he keeps his shirt on and he's a bit less hot dog coloured. He reminds me of, um, you know, Dr. Zoidberg? In, uh, <laughs> when he takes off his shell. Yeah, yeah, when he takes off his shell and it's just that disgusting, horrible pink kind of... <laughs> that wobbly jelly. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's not a good look. It's not a good look. It's Roddy Piper was fantastic. Just, I just thought he was absolutely brilliant in this. It's great. He was Sometimes you get a wrestler just playing themselves, but he was a wrestler kind of playing just... He was a acting. Different wrestler. He was, he, acting. he was actually acting. Oh, yeah, and, he and was as anyone who's, anyone who's seen uh, Hell Comes to Frog Town, <laughs> Town will know acting isn't his strongest suit. Hey, they live is brilliant in that. So yeah, maybe we'll have to review that one day. We should. It is a classic of the genre. We've just watched The Running Man. It's great. It is great. I'm not going to ask you how you are today because we've just watched The Running Man. So, I so know I'm you're great. Feeling good. Yeah, we've just seen... So hello, John. <laughs> so we've just watched basically loads of mindless violence, some cutting satire, and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger delivering his lines like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> From the start of this film, you get a little intro. It tells you when it's set, and it's set in a distant future <laughs> in the year 2017. <laughs> So, I mean, we're recording this now in 2015. Just imagine, Colin, in two years' time, this is what it's going to be like. Is this after hoverboards have gone out of fashion? Exactly. Arnie's uh, revealed to be wearing a, a very... Revealing. Very tight and revealing yellowy... What colour would you... Mustard. Is it mustard? I'd say mustard with a hint of... Well, it's got, like, a blue tone to it as well. Yeah, so he's, he's bicat-suited. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's... Because I, I didn't realise at that point that the, it was slippy because nobody else is like, oh, it's slippy. God, it's a bit slippy in it. You know, it's a bit cold, a bit, bit nippy. Yeah, but they're not British. <laughs> it's a bit... Oh, these... these they're, they're not obsessed with weather. Yeah, these catsuits aren't as uh, as warm as I'd like. You know, you're either going to blame the steroids or the cold, aren't you, Arnie? 
What was on his line? It was, hey Killian, here is Sub-Zero, now Plane Zero. And then this is where Amber goes, oh, what, what happened to Buzzsaw? He, <laughs> he had to split. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, man. But these lines. We've just watched Family Matters, Series 5, Episode 18, an episode called The Psycho Twins. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. The hoods from the woods come out. That's how they're introduced. Who... In the world of classical wrestling, would you describe as hoods from the woods? Would it be the Bushwhackers? Oh, yes. Yeah, Butch and Luke. From that famous woody Australian outback. So they come out and they do that funny walk with their funny arms. And this bit made me uncomfortable. They were getting booed. They were the heels. Yeah. Don't like to do the Bushwhackers getting booed. I always found the Bushwhackers really absurd. Really absurd. That was their charm. Um, It translated well. I always find it funny when one of them would be doing a promo and the other would be standing next to them. You know, me and Gene would be there and he'd be standing still but still doing the arms and doing wacky faces. Gurning. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking vinegar. <laughs> Brilliant. Like, I wish that we would watch Raw today and somebody would be just doing something stupid and pointless no with their they're arms. They're all too serious these days. They're all too serious. They're all walking on eggshells. Wouldn't it be great if they just moved their arms like the Bushwhackers? It was back in the glory days of the Bushwhacker walk, the Ghostbuster walk, the Madness walk. Don't get that these days. Is that what we're missing? Yeah, we're missing all the comedic walks. Yeah, we just don't do it anymore. <laughs> but what do you guys do for a living? Are you, you know, for, for two schmoes off the street, you're all right. And he goes, oh, well, I'm a, oh, I'm, I'm a student. And Matt did a cop. A cop? <laughs> we ain't cops. My mum was arrested by a cop. She was arrested last night. Where was she arrested last night? Well, that's when they finally caught her. Yeah. <laughs> Great line. We've reviewed Problem Child, starring Kerry Von Erich, a.k.a. the Texas Tornado. Kramer gets a letter from Junior, and um, he gets the Kerry Von Erich to read it out. And he says that, you know, JR's, JR's got out of prison. And he's like, this guy gets parole, I don't get parole. So what did you think of Kerry Von Erich's performance there? Um, <laughs> as a guy reading a letter for five seconds, it was, it was all right. It was adequate. So, yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't light up the screen. <laughs> um, he was just there. And the fact that we had to um, <laughs> rewind the film at the end and go, OK, so where's Kerry Von Erich? We've missed this, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, the fact... We had to do that and look where it was. I think that's quite telling. <laughs> but so, he had a whole two lines. He did have two lines. He had lines. I mean, to be honest, this this podcast has been very unsuccessful in terms of total airtime of wrestling. <laughs> total wrestlers <laughs> acting. We've just watched Boy Meets World, Series 3, Episode 13. Episode called New Friends and Old and featuring Leon White, Big Van Vader. So what about, where would it, this one be on the um, Bristol stool chart? Uh, the what, sorry? Have you never heard of the Bristol stool chart? Is, is this the is, one that shows you the shapes of poos? Yes. And sizes? <laughs> yes. And you can measure them? I don't yeah, know. it goes from one to six, from um, little plops to <laughs> like a sausage to like a dry sausage to a puddle, basically. <laughs> So what, the puddle, is the puddle, where does the puddle rest? That's number six. So the puddle's higher than, than the big sausage? Yeah, yeah. So, so it essentially, it, what's, what, it 
kind of reaches it, its, you're its aim, mass. You're aiming for three to four. Of what? On the Bristol stool <laughs> chat. <laughs> I want to see this now. <laughs> uh, to be honest, we should study the Bristol stool chart. And I think that would probably be better than what we've just watched, so... Yeah, so I I would give this one a solid two out of ten. It does have a whiff of number two about. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> I think we've gone. We've probably gone down the Bristol stool <laughs> from the later episodes. You know that first one we watched was definitely a, a big, a big old. Uh, I I've spent three days in India drinking nothing but the River Ganges water. <laughs> So that is just an explosion of just the worst kind of disease-ridden diarrhoea. Yeah. What this a... one's slight food poisoning. So what, what's the it's, number five? Um, is this, is this a, b- a big dry dump, was this one? Or... No, this one is um, it's a big wet dump. But okay. It's a big wet dump that's got some substance to it. Right, so, so yeah. So, so just a dodgy kebab kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But not too dodgy. Not water. No. Okay, so a, a good splat. What I'm what I'm thinking is, is the first series of this, will it will we be getting into just good fecal matter? The yeah. sausage like consistency. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> with maybe a little bit of a split like when you've um had your sausage in a frying pan and it breaks <laughs> open. <laughs> this episode. Oh. <laughs> Why did I look up the Bristol stool chart? <laughs> why did why did you look up the Bristol stool chart? Why? So we've just watched Fire Power from um, 1993, starring Jim Helwig, the Ultimate Warrior. He's called the Swordsman, and his talent on the sword wasn't very good. He was clearly quite uncomfortable wielding a sword. Yeah. In a movie called Firepower, <laughs> it comes down to a martial arts contest with a man called a swordsman who can't really handle a sword. Yeah. So it's just wonderfully thought. Given it, it's the ultimate warrior and his wonderful steroid-ridden body and instead of using his mighty muscles, he relies on the sword. Yeah. He should have had a club. Yeah, I mean, a big barbarian-style club. That yeah. would have been more believable. Because all he did, all his lines were for the rest of the movie were just him going, Blah! <laughs> um, when he, whenever he, w- he wielded a sword. That was so. my favourite line in the movie. What? <laughs> We've just watched Series 7, Episode 17 of Mad About You, an American sitcom made in 1999. The episode's called Separate Beds. We've just watched it. How are you doing, Colin? <sighs> no comment. <laughs> it was bad. We keep watching really bad stuff. I, I always thought that um, that Couch was posh. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think it just depends I on... I Sofa was posh. I don't know. I think it just depends on where you rate. I think it's like the cob roll tea cake. Muffin. That kind of debate. <laughs> That is one of the most tedious debates in the English language, I think. Scum or scoon? Well, no, because they're at least spelt the same. It's yes. it's when you get regional differences for a roll That's of fair. bread. Sorry, <laughs> a cob of bread or a barn of bread. Whatever. Who cares? A balm cake. Yeah, people from different places <laughs> have different names for things. You're not right. 
Yeah, your version of a bread roll, whoever's listening to this, isn't the correct one. It's just one of them, one of many. Ugh, infuriates Do you know me. the locals around here call pork pies? Go on then. Growlers. <laughs> See, that's great. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> let's um, let's pull out the Bristol stool, stool scale. <laughs> I would put... Well, when I started talking about the Bristol school stool scale a couple of, a few weeks ago, um, I got it wrong. It goes up to seven, which is where I would have put that um, last thing that we reviewed. What was it we reviewed? It was Boy Meets World, but not the first Boy Meets World. It was Boy oh Meets yeah, yeah, World Revisited. Now that first episode of Boy Meets World was seven on the Bristol stool scale, which was all water completely without substance mm. and uh, you really should go see a doctor <laughs> this one I put five maybe six it was certainly mushy um, it had its moments but those moments were slipping through um, the U-bend see for me I, I would rate it a bit, bit more kindly than that I thought it was bad but so you you'll give it a five. I'd give it a four. No, no, four's ideal. Yeah, but we we rate we rate it's it's a scale of shit. Yeah, yeah. You know this isn't this four, isn't four is the ideal stool. Okay, it's three. It, you're aiming for three to four. <laughs> All right, it'll have to be a five then. Okay, <laughs> I'm going for five and a half. Okay, right. So so what's the four then? Now? Four is um. Slightly soft, sausage-like, but slightly soft. Slightly soft. I think that's a, an apt description. Yeah. I'm glad we've got this rating system in. I think it makes <laughs> it a lot better than trying to trying to do what they usually uh, do. Three is slightly broken, slightly cracked, but a good, firm sausage. <laughs> you got two and one that are quite bitty and signs of constipation. Can we go... Actually, actually, I'm, I'm going to go for a two then. Ah. Because I think... I think this was quite constipated. <laughs> That's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was, there was a lot of stuff... In that case, I've got to go all the way to one. I think this, uh, I think uh, the, I think this episode was quite a struggle. I think, <laughs> I think there was something about to come out, but it never quite came, so... Ah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go beyond you and say one, then. One, right. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> This is this has been very useful. I'm glad we can we've now got a way of, of a different way of considering when it's you know if it's I think this is a thing we can't we can't rate everything on the Bristol stool scale. No, think, only if it is shit. Yeah, if it is. But shit. what sort of shit is? What it? sort of shit is it? <laughs> so we've just watched an episode of Quantum Leap from 1991 called Heart of a Champion, series three, episode twenty. Starring Terry Funk. I give it a two on the Bristol stool chart. It was, it wasn't bad. It was entertaining, but entertaining in a way where you're getting into a good book when you sat on the toilet because you constipate. <laughs> you don't want to be there, but you're getting through it. Okay, the issue I had with this, right, apart from the storytelling, <clears throat> the acting, and the character development, story arc, and melodramatic. And science. And exposition and science. Every, apart from that, <laughs> the issue that I had was I have a lot of fun memories of watching Quantum Leap. And I think this is a thing where maybe I should have left it in the past. How are you doing, Colleen? Hello, John. 
How are you today? I'm very well. How are you this day, being oh, your birthday? Yay! Yeah, it's absolutely fine. And um, for your birthday, we've finally watched something good. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> it's great. It's great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm um, you know, a third of the way to my centenary, so, <laughs> you know, keeping that one going. 33, a bit depressing, really. I feel like I should be doing more with my life than reviewing uh, TV show starring wrestlers. <laughs> but what are you going to do? So we've just watched an episode of Married with Children, Series 2, Episode 22, an episode called All in the Family, starring King Kong Bundy. And then she started speaking, this Peggy, and it was Leela from Futurama. Did you know, I can't believe that you didn't know that already. I didn't know that. I was, and that's all you can see now. I was freaked out. It was <laughs> Because it didn't just sound, you know, like, you know, when you see... Um, <laughs> Something like the Rugrats, and it's got like, oh, she she did the voice in The Simpsons, you know. You can recognise it, kind of. This was just the same character, <laughs> exactly the same voice. Really weird, and like... But a cracking ass. Yeah, no, she she's, uh, you know, she was certainly a shapely lady. It's, uh, <laughs> these... Um, these podcasts are kind of descended into you uh, commenting on, on the arses of women. We're going to get a, a rep in the uh, feminist community. You do realise that. All the, all those feminist activists who are regular listeners to When Wrestlers Act will be turning off right now. We've just watched It Doesn't Matter by Wyclef John featuring The Rock. I want to play a little game with you, Dean. Yeah. I want you to... It's called Guess the Lyrics. Oh, well, I thought you were going to ask me if something mattered or not. Okay, right. It goes, yo, yo, yo. I got 50 Bentleys in the West Indies. It doesn't matter! Well done. Thank you. I've got a pocket full of cheese and a garden full of trees. It doesn't matter! I thought that was a pretty good Bob Dylan or Beatles lyric, that when they were... And from the mashed off their faces era. <laughs> I just won the bingo, bought a crib in Rio. Congratulations. No. Oh. It doesn't matter. Because oh, if you ain't sharing, people ain't caring. Come up in the hood and they take everything you're wearing. I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole story in this song about all this stuff that Wyclef's got. But uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It, it's I don't know. He he lists things that he owns. He lists things that he's, he 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 buys. He lists things that he's been awarded. It's quite deep and philosophical, really. The the rock is kind of a uh, guiding him on a more spiritual path where he's less material. Is that what it is? Do you think it's it's the rock is essentially like the Buddha? He's trying to get Wyclef to achieve some kind of Zen, some kind of um, you know, some kind of purity from material things, from ego. John, if, you, if one thing I've learned is it doesn't matter if you've achieved Zen through an ultimate destruction of the self. We've just watched Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. I, I had a few emails about it from people saying, you've got to watch this, you should review this. A few people on Twitter saying we should do it, so... They were right. Yeah. Listen to your audience. They've guided <laughs> you well. I mean, I've never heard of this, and it's a right gem. It was drawing into the conclusion, and it started doing that really dreadful MasterChef X Factor kind of, we're building up to a happy conclusion music. Yeah. You know, the horrible background music? The, the, it just really, oh. 
made me cringe. The meaning. The meaning. The, the, the yeah. listen. Yeah. Ooh, we've learned, we loved, we've come together. Yeah, the inspiration. Inspiration music. Yeah. Oh, 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 it's bad. Do you think it was meant to be a parody? I hope it was. It wasn't there, was it? It wasn't it a parody. Wasn't. It, it, was, it was impassioned. It was and... highlight to show his passion. Yeah. Maybe this actually goes over really well with a certain subsection of the audience. For me... I think maybe he just generally wouldn't notice unless he were generally bitter and twisted and hated any signs of people having fun. It's not that. It's just... Oh, just, just... If you just hate predictable format, if uh, the fourth wall's been broken for you and you see all these horrible little uh, strategies yeah. and habits that cross-permeate so many TV shows to tell you you're all speaking the same language. Yeah. It was like uh, musical canned laughter, really, isn't it? Tells you how to feel. Which was a shame, because up to this point, I'd been quite engrossed and had suspended disbelief and was really enjoying the story, but then did that remind me that it's still another shitty TV show? (laughs) Oh, so close. So, I mean... It feels hard to knock it, though, because it was quite good. Yeah. And I welcome you all to the When Wrestlers Act podcast with my good self, Dr. Jonathan Cronshaw, and my very good chum, Mr. Colin Cox. How are you today, Colin? I'm very well, thank you for asking, Jonathan. Do <laughs> you like the intro there? I thought I'd do it in a, uh, a early radio style. We've just watched what I can only describe as Bottom, Series 1, Episode 2, an episode called Gas. Now, you can find this video on Daily Motion by typing in bottom gas. Um, <laughs> when I did this, I got uh, a bit waylaid, a bit sidetracked by uh, lots of Brazilian fetish porn of uh, women farting. I didn't really, but it uh, make, makes for a good does, joke, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, because obviously you were here, so I just saved it, bookmarked it, save it for the wank bank. Um, the Bristol stool chart is staying firmly in the cupboard for this one. Yeah, yeah staying firmly it. in the water closet. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need it. We don't need it. This was this was a lot of fun. Very entertaining. Um, if you want your humour, sophisticated, um, satirical, um, witty, you're in the wrong place. Yes, this is the lowest, most ridiculous <clears throat> humour. It's daft. It's slapstick. And it's brilliant. Unfortunately, we Rick Mayo died last year. He was possibly the greatest physical comedian, I think. Yeah, no, he's, he's certainly up there. Yeah, he wasn't. I mean, he was. When it comes to being a comed, a comic actor, he was one-dimensional. He was brash, um, and he but, was perfect at it. He was. He was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's like Brian Glover. You know, you want you want a bald Yorkshireman. He's the guy. You want, you want just a brash, over-the-top guy who's going <laughs> to slam into things. In fact, Rick Mayer would have been a great wrestler. He would. Don't you think? Imagine him in the ring. He would have, you know, he would have all, cut some great promos. All the fighting that um, Richie and Eddie do in this program. Exactly, yeah. It's it's just like a lot... Yeah, all, it all worked. All worked fighting. A lot of ECW-style spots. <laughs> you know, hitting each other over the head with pans and ridiculous violence. We've just watched... What can I only describe as weird science? Series four, episode two, an episode called Men in Tights. <laughs> and I'm not going to beat around the bush here. This was terrible. It was fucking awful. This, holy crap. I mean, is this the worst <laughs> thing we've watched? It's up there with that episode of Boy Meets World. 
I think it's worse. I think it's worse, and I'll tell you why. Because the episode of Boy Meets World that we watched, um, the one that was it was it for Love and Apartments, something like that. That had a storyline. What the hell was this? <laughs> what the hell was this? This was terrible. This was just the worst thing we watched. When you put it like that, you you're probably correct. Like, how are we going to review this? How are we going to review this episode? Because it's the Bristol Stool chart won't be enough. This is 23 and a half minutes we'll never get back, plus this 40 minutes of describing it. But this 40 minutes was good for us. It's cathartic. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like it's like them people who write them like trauma abuse memoirs and stuff. It's, you know, kind of just it's exercising those demons that'll stick with you otherwise. So motivational tour coming soon. <laughs> Are you ready to rock? Oh. <laughs> I'm going home. You're doing this by yourself. <laughs> We've just watched Flintstones, the Stone Age Smackdown. <laughs> so, I mean, the world of the Flintstones. I've, I've got to kind of get this, get this off my chest, really. You've got cavemen who essentially enslave animals yep. to do kind of mundane tasks. It's not inventive. So, I think it's meant to be inventive and cute, but to me, like a, a lot of these things seem really cruel. I mean, just having having a, an animal strapped to your car so you can headbutt it, <laughs> so it makes a noise. You're basically hurting an animal because you just like the noise when it goes. Well, it's not when it, so when much it cries in pain. It. It's more distress. You're Whatever. Dis- distressing the animal. And that, that's worse because most animals... And as sentient as human beings, but then you'd be scaring them and they're just going to have a life of worry and angst. And it's, it's not only it's animal cruelty and it's historically inaccurate. You can't pick up the Flintstones for historical inaccuracies, let's be honest now. I mean, the crossover between dinosaurs and humans. I mean, for God's sake, the world's 6,000 years old. <laughs> Not even possible to have dinosaurs. Is that to our American friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. To be honest, I realise that we really need to start appealing to this kind of, you know, that like hardcore Christian, la la la, we ignore the world and the evidence around us kind of lot. And believe it's only theory, John. Yeah. So it cuts to Fred Flintstone's work, and it's Mr. Slate. You know, Mr. Slate. Yes. Yeah. He's the boss, isn't he? Yes. No, he, I'd say he's more of the foreman. Okay, okay. And who does he introduce? For some reason, John Cena Stone. John Cena Stone. Yes. I like to think it's a double-barrelled name, and he's he's had a, uh, you know, a marriage. He's married to former Nottingham Forest footballer Steve Stone. Yes. <laughs> See, it's progressive. It might be historically inaccurate, but my God, it's progressive. Do you know what I mean? They're accepting the game host. <laughs> it's fine, you know, good for them. We've been doing When Wrestles Act for almost a year. What are we going to do for our special one-year episode? Yeah, we'll just cobble some bits together and have a best of Yeah, sounds awesome. <laughs> that'll, save, that'll save us a week of recording <laughs> one of these. <laughs> <laughs>